Welcome back, everybody, to the Equipped Bruised Tired podcast. We are forever your grateful hosts. Ryan Stinn with me here and uh, Bryce Krawcheck, myself. And um, yeah, so how has uh, how has your week of training been, Ryan? I see you didn't shave your face and make yourself look like a uh, very large baby like I did. Well, I, I trimmed my face because I've learned... I've learned from my mistakes in the past. I thought that shaving. photo with the big beard looked pretty good, honestly. Yeah, it got a little rangy. And rangy? You know, when your beard is that long, you got to actually brush it. You know? No way, so, really? Yeah. yeah. So That's the thing, um, hey? Yeah, I, around, around Nationals 2016, I had the, the longest beard I ever had. And it was, it, was, it was a rebound after having shaved my face completely. Mm. And, uh, so I just, I didn't shave my face again for a really long time. And, uh, yeah, it was too long. And I look back at pictures and I'm like, Ray, why didn't you tell me my beard was <laughs> looked so bad? <laughs> She's like, I swear I tried, but you wouldn't listen. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, when it gets caught in your bench shirt, then it's too long. That's, that's what you should, yeah, you know, the problems that I will never, ever experience. <laughs> I just grow like, a big goatee for that. If you like, if you look at the last episode, that was, I, I literally hadn't shaved since before this whole quarantine thing. So that's what five, four or five weeks now I trimmed it a few times. Cause right. mine just gets like really gnarly. <laughs> it's just like a couple of long ones rangy. out of my cheeks. Yeah. And rangy. Yes. That's actually yeah. a great word for it. Um, but yeah, that's the, yeah. And that's about like as thick and full as it gets. So today I was like, I'm just going to shave it off. And then I was like, oh yeah, but I'm a 120 now. My chin goes into my neck, which goes into my body. And it just, they look like a thumb. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I've seen the memes. So yeah, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how has, uh, how has your training been this week, Ryan? Uh, pretty okay, I guess. Uh, Bench was, I, I, the excitement is boundless right now. Yeah. I, well, so bench was good on the beginning of the week. I, I was going for like a, not a all time PR, but to beat my meat PR of two Oh five, I did two Oh seven and a half in the gym. Right. And, uh, it went pretty good. I called like an eight and a half. I just felt kind of sloppy on it. Kind of heaved a little bit. So wasn't was super happy though? with it. Was that you hit two Oh seven though? Yeah. Yeah. Two Oh seven and a half. So uh, I figured maybe tomorrow I'll just try and clean that up and, Unless things feel good, I might go for two ten, which actually be, would tie my best in training ever. But then, do you have how many more weeks of this block do you have left? Uh, I don't. A few. Really, like next should, week, this week training. isn't the end, right? No, I don't think this will be week four. I think so. Yeah, so you got some so time to kind of swing for the fences. That. Yeah, do and something then, silly in the last week. Uh, like midweek, maybe two days ago, I, uh, I think it was from like really light deadlifts. I've been, I threw conventional deadlifts in with my mm. sets, 10 squats and, uh, like I threw a rib out. So it's been like, oh. you know, searing pain when trying to move right now or sleep. So, Lovely. Lovely. so it's, you know, it's pros and cons, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been okay. So bit of a mixed bag. Yeah, exactly. Bench is feeling pretty good though. So I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes here. That's good. I might have to give in and get some gear back on after this block, though. I was gonna say, are you starting to starting to feel that itch yet? Because I'm I'm starting to get there. Yeah, my starting scars are starting to disappear it. on my legs. So yeah, that's a sign we stop seeing your suit marks <laughs> after. What has it been since nationals? Eight weeks now. 
Yeah, yeah, a couple still, months. They still the marks, but, but they're fading, yeah. so. Yeah, and I get, I get that. Ray is back in gear now, so. But that I just makes it all the more appealing. Yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's always the, the duality stress. of equipped lifting, right? Yeah, and the stress of spotting her alone. Right. Right. So, especially bench. It's 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 okay, and but the excitement of it, right? Like the mm-hmm. intensity of it. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see where it goes. That's kind of what I was thinking. Is maybe maybe try to get some equipped bench in the next block. Because um, I mean, honestly, Selena can probably hand out and spot uh, my equipped bench. But uh, uh, training for me is going really well, man. Still still slowly chipping away at the raw squat, which you know is nothing uh, to write home about, but. It doesn't hurt right now. So that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, I've gone up a boatload of my pause squats, which were pretty embarrassing the first week I did them. And, uh, my, my comp raw bench just, I mean, all of my bench variations are just going ballistic right now. Uh, I don't know what's, what's up with that. I'm finally learning to use all this body weight I gained, I guess. Um, but yeah, I think that, uh, you, you can hear it here first. I think in, uh, in a few weeks, the last week of the block, I'm going to load 200 kilos and I'm going to bench press it to Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On. Because I've always told my athletes that if you can't hit a PR to Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On, then you don't deserve it. And uh, I'm going to eat my words here. So That's fair. we'll see how it goes, I, but I'm excited. I had, a, I had a training cycle where it seemed like every time I, I was doing heavy equipped squat, it was... Um, some evanescence song to come on and you know it just it started to become my squat song even though <laughs> it was not what i wanted for a squat even song, though it's so. a terrible song yeah yeah but so yeah I, I i hear what you're saying all right yeah well i uh yeah i don't know we'll see how it all goes it'll probably be posted somewhere i'm sure but uh yeah i find that pretty exciting prospect after having kind of been stuck in that 170 to 180 range for a number of years uh, and then going up and hitting a couple of small PRs and now being like, oh, I can actually bench a boatload more. I just haven't really pushed my raw bench for a year. So, yeah, yeah. that's kind of the way I feel it's without I haven't I'm sure the last time I. Last time I benched a appreciable amount would have been like 2015 at a meet. I think I hit 205 in that meet in 2015. And then I. Uh, did equip nationals a few months later and then injured my shoulder and it kind of mm. just like never really pushed again after that. So mm-hmm. it was the first time I've kind of focused on it for a while and yeah, it's feeling pretty good. I'm hopeful to bridge the gap between uh, Ray's equipped bench and, and my raw bench now. So right, she's, right. she's well on the lead now. That's so. the, that's the point of contention there. Yeah. That's, that's the motivation now at this point. I like it. I like it. I, uh, I think I hit like a 185, 185.5 actually. Um, before worlds just cause one guy at the gym had recently pressed 185 and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to outbench you by half a kilo. Cause I'm a, I'm kind of a dick like that sometimes. Um, and it was like at eight, but it was the last raw block of the bench and I was, or the last raw bench of the block. And I thought, hell, we'll load it up a little bit and see what happens. But, uh, there was clearly a lot more there even then. So Did you have just starting to see that now I didn't. And I, I feel like I need to, uh, I need to serve my penance for that. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, 
So you said we got a question from one of our listeners here. This was to the to the email. Yeah, we got an email question here this week. Um, cool. From Rick, uh, he says, uh, "When looking for a first bench shirt or squat deadlift suit, how do you know the correct size? And let's say I can test fit the suit or shirt uh, it's used. Uh, how do I judge if it's something I can work with?" Mm. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, obviously all manufacturers have kind of a measurement guide which is always a good place to start. Um, suits for Titan, I think it's just your hip measurements. So just take your hips at your largest point. I'll give you a good starting point. I think they recommend plus two or plus one size if you're looking for a looser suit. Um, and then inzers, inzers are weird. It's like hips minus eight for the TRX, I think. Uh, and then um, hips minus 10 maybe, for or minus six for the Fusion. But Titans are easy, it's just your hip measurements. And then bench yeah. shirts are basically just chest measurements. And that kind of gives you your, your starting point. Um, but if you can test something, like, yeah, I think if you can throw something on, that's, that's really the way to go. It, it, I mean, you should be able to judge. If you, don't, if you can't move too much, you throw a bench shirt on, you can go through a full range of motion bench or you can do a push-up. Like, clearly, you're not going to get anything out of it. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, if it kind of restricts you, you can kind of feel it binding up in the back of the arms. I think it's an idea. It's going to give you give you a bit of a pop, but you got to think about it. If you put a bench shirt on and you can bring your arms down halfway without any restriction, it's the shirt's not going to help you at that halfway point, right? So wherever you can move to without enough restriction, it's the shirt's going to give out there. So just knowing that will give you an idea. Um, suits, sort of same thing. Throw the straps up, see where you can get to body weight without contorting your body, because mm. see, we'll throw it on and like. Shrivel into a ball to get down to this <laughs> cannonball into the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, turtle, turtle squat down. Yeah. Um, but what are your thoughts on that? Uh, you're, you've kind of started out more recently than I have. So, yeah, I think for me, so I obviously came into this with what would that have been five years of competitive powerlifting experience. Um, but for me, it was like, if I could, you know, I threw the suit on and I was pretty close to depth at like 80 or 90%. And I was pretty close or getting touches at 85 to 95% in my bench shirt. Um, and, you know, being able to get to the bar in the deadlift uh, would obviously probably be a prerequisite if it's your first suit. Like you don't want to be throwing it on and being like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to have to pull from blocks for six weeks to break this suit in. Because it, it's just, you're going to be so far out of position. It's probably going to be more frustrating than anything. So, I mean, I would say those are pretty good. You know, if, if you can get into the equipment and load up 80 ish, 80 to 90 ish percent and do most of, if not the whole rep, then that's probably a good place to start. Cause that's going to give you a little window on either side where you can train a little bit above your raw max and a little bit below your raw max and get in some decent work before you, you know, start really trying to push the stuff. And I think that'll also maybe leave you enough room to, you know, modify the equipment, whether you want to try to bring in the hips a little bit or pull in the straps or tighten the sleeves on your shirt um, and be able to milk a little bit more out of it before you move on to the, your next piece of gear that way as well. Um, all right. Uh, so I'm pretty excited about our guest today. Um, I've competed with him uh, at least uh, twice maybe now. I guess probably both the equipped worlds I did, he would have been there. Um, but we're going to chat very shortly here with, uh, Stian Walgermo and he's a Norwegian powerlifter 
He's uh, spent 13 years competing. Uh, he's done over 56 equipped competitions. I actually went through his open powerlifting and counted because I was like, man, this is a staggering overall number of meets. And that's just equipped. So he's probably had, I don't know, again, I didn't, uh, I didn't count them all, but he's done a ton of meets. And I think we talked a little bit about how that may have impacted his uh, overall development. But twice he won the European champion, 13 times he's won the Norwegian national champion. And he took home a silver medal at uh, 2015 Open IPF World. So he also developed the uh, refing app that uh, you can get to uh, run meets and uh, operate the lights with your phone. And, uh, yeah, we're going to sit down and chat with him. He did a number of world games and, uh, has just been around and experienced and participated in, uh, equipped lifting for quite some time. So I think had some pretty interesting perspectives on it. And then we got off on a little bit of a tangent and started talking about how his future career as a meme developer is going, uh, at the end of the podcast. So, uh, we hope you're looking forward to it and we'll, uh, toss it over there right now. Cool, man. Well, First off, John, I'm going to mess that up. I'm self-conscious of it now. I used to just roll off the tongue, and now I'm like, now that you're here, I want to say it correctly. Just say it fast. Okay. (laughs) All right. So, John, welcome to the podcast, man. It's it's good to have you on here. You've uh, been competing for a bunch of years and got a bunch of experience, and we've got a bunch of questions for you. So thanks for agreeing to chat with us here. Um. So I guess we'll, we'll kind of jump right in and, um, you know, on the topic of, of, uh, your recently born daughter, first off, congrats on that. Um, and second, how has that now affected your training? Have you found it's affected your training or not so much? Uh, yeah, it's affected. Uh, for example, she was born on 28th of August. So that was in the early preparation for the worlds. Okay. Uh, and, um, Apparently that didn't go so well, so <laughs> I bummed in the bench. Right, and, it, and uh, in June I uh, did nationals, and I started on two ninety two and a half in the bench. And at worlds I started on two seventy seven and a half, and I bummed out some strength. Yikes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So um. uh, so the preparation uh, and uh, being a father. Uh, <laughs> For the first time, it's uh, difficult. So yeah. it's a steep learning curve, but it's better now. Yeah, I was going to say, are you starting to get a little bit more sort of acclimated to that now? Yeah, now, now it's good. Now I have parental leave, so, right. so now everything's good. So before Worlds, you were parenting and working and training? Yeah. Oh, wow. So okay. I had uh, six weeks of... Uh, vacation slash uh, parental leave after she was born mm-hmm. but then we just was in around universe because she was so small and we used all our time on her and uh, we didn't sleep or yeah no training yeah. and yeah so, so you, uh, you would say that not sleeping and not training is not good for your performance oh right so uh, I think I was in the club uh, one or two times in the preparation for Worlds. So just the quick training Uh, at the club, at the heaviest weights. And I had uh, a friend uh, come here to train in my basement with equipment the other times. Right. right. But it was not good and it was very low quality on the training. So, yeah. 
how do you like the the whole basement training thing? Because you've been doing that for a while, even before everything was was under <laughs> lockdown. Are you are you yeah. a fan of that kind of training, or do you miss the environment, or what's that like for you? Um, good question. Uh, for me, it's pretty normal because when I started powerlift back in two thousand and six. Uh, it was the same then. I trained on and off alone for uh, three or four years, uh, also in a basement. And um, now we also do a club by training. Now we also is in a basement, so we don't have any cellular or uh, anything down there. So, right. so uh, yeah, I don't know anything better than that. So, yeah, that's okay then. Um, are, so is is Norway like completely locked down, or what's the situation like there right now with the whole COVID thing? Uh, yeah, it's border control, and uh, all airports are uh, locked down. So, yeah, basically. But uh, this week the school started to open again, so the okay. the smallest childs can start to get back to school. So right it's incrementally starting to open up again. Yeah. So you mentioned your club. Um, who do you normally train with when you train with your club? Uh, I train at the club that's named uh, KK67. So it stands for Kraftsports uh, Club of 1967. So it's founded in 1967. And one of the founders is Odd Haugen. You probably heard of him. Okay, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he's living in the United States, I think. So he's... Uh, big uh, old strongman so um, yeah he was uh, started a club in the 60s and um, I trained with uh, a lot of Norwegian powerlifters there for example Mark Elverum and uh, a lot of up and coming juniors Chido he has the world record in the deadlift 83 row so a lot of good lifters there and are you in uh, are you in Oslo or near Oslo or are you you're not over in Stavanger are you? No, I live in a city called Trondheim. It's okay. it's not in the middle, but um, you can search it up on Google. You see, there I is. have two landmarks. I have Oslo and I have Stavanger. So yeah, it's north <laughs> north of both of those. Okay, cool. Um, so I I went and before we uh, before we. Like kind of got into or confirmed you for this interview or just after. Um, I was watching some of your old lifting footage and I, I was watching 2017 pills and open worlds. And yeah. so you came out and and you did a dab before your opening deadlift. Yeah. Right. Do you remember that? Yeah. Correct. And uh, yeah. and oh, then you opened raw and you just <laughs> about cleaned the weight like it was 220 or something and it just flew. Um, and then you ended up going like. 300 kilos or something like that so what were you were you injured at the time why did you dab and why the light open <laughs> okay <laughs> uh, yeah so uh in the preparation for that uh worlds i had uh, some uh, trouble with my back mm-hmm. uh and uh, in the weeks before it's starting to get better so okay this looks like it's gonna be okay uh when i started warm up and felt okay but after the squat it was back to the yeah it was pain and it didn't feel right mm-hmm. so after I think I don't know now I 
lifted with the shirt in the bench. Yeah. But after a bench, I uh, got a chiropractor to just hit me up with some uh, cracking. So he gave me some beating on the bench. And uh, suddenly, and I couldn't uh, warm up with the suit because I didn't have time. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I just started low just to feel my back how it was. Uh, did a dab before because someone was yelling from the audience, just see on the dab. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so he'll yeah. take requests. Yeah. Excellent. So I um, so also did it on uh, nationals, I think. So, yeah. And I, when I got back home, my sister said that, did you really dab on the words? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh, after the opening, yeah, I felt good. So I raced to uh, 257 or something. Yeah, just filling up. Uh, felt okay. So I said, okay, just try 300 in the last attempt because uh, it was a placement lift or something. I think I placed sixth or seven or on the total. Right. So just loaded the bar to 300 and felt pretty good. So I yeah. probably would have uh, pulled uh, 330, 40 with the suit that day, but I don't got everything under control. So yeah, it's tough to know going in on a day like that. Um, <clears throat> so that, I mean, that was my first Worlds. That was the first time I ever competed uh, at Worlds equipped. And that was a pretty crazy year to watch. Uh, I know for me, like I go back and watch that one Oh five competition and, uh, it's just like, it's really, really cool, really interesting. And I think that the depth of field that year was pretty crazy. Um, there were what, eight totals over a thousand kilos. How did, how did that feel for you having been around, um, you know, the, that level of competitiveness, did that year stand out for you? And, you know, how did it feel to kind of be a part of all that? Yeah, I didn't remember that at first, but when you say it, I remember. Uh, yeah, uh, usually if you didn't do a thousand or more, you place out of the podium. So if you are around thousand, you had a shot at the podium. That was what I'm used to. So that year, and when I saw the nominations, I think, okay, let's just hope. Hope that my body is okay and <laughs> I have a run for it. So but um didn't go that well but it's pretty unusual i don't think it's happened since or before that so for for our sake that was the hardest year so far i think right and this year was kind of the exact opposite of that hey it was yeah. it was like the the polar opposite of that i think the the podium what were the do you remember the the podium totals this year there were a lot of bombs in the 105 yeah i think um, Marshin told from russia won with 1030 right the same as my pr yeah and uh, on the second place we have alan uh, granier from france and uh, christopher reichelan on third right. with 977 or something yeah those were under a thousand yeah, so yeah. that one time I had a shot to get on the podium again, I bombed in bench, so it was good feeling. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I did the dumb thing of moving up a weight class and finding somewhere else where there were like 11 totals over 1,000 to compete against, so I was yeah. kind of kicking myself the same too. Yeah. So going back a little bit further, uh, I think your biggest total uh, is about is 10.30, and that was in Luxembourg in 2015, right? Yeah. So then uh, I think you'd mentioned that uh, previously you'd come to like a bit of plateauing. 
um, as well that you're planning to go up to 120 this year for for Worlds in Norway. Is that yes. uh, is that still the plan, or is anything changing with everything going on right now? No, that's still a plan. Uh, and the reason for that is <laughs> basically I wanted to go up to 120 probably since Luxembourg in 2015. Um, uh, and that in 105 every year. <laughs> not not any good reason why, but just felt okay. And I, if I go up a class, I have to start all over to climb the the podium up the podium. So and I uh, felt it was not right regarding getting the medals and the place in the 105. If I go up, I was I don't think I could get to that level before I uh, lay the belt on the life. Yeah before I quit so yeah so now I'm going up to 120 class and it's mostly because for myself just for getting the PRs I wanted in 105 class (laughs) Um, so nationally like does that decision to go 120 for worlds is that totally your decision or does it come down to like the coaching or no it's only my decision you don't have to qualify or re-qualify or anything uh, we need to qualify, but uh, the qualifying meet is uh, postponed or cancelled. I don't know yet. So uh, my coach uh, said that you will probably go to Worlds anyways. Uh, you know, you you can. <laughs> I know what you can do. So, right. so I'm not worried about that. So uh, I hope that the Worlds will be hosted. So they had a new. Um, update on that meet yesterday and they said that they are uh, working at, at, to to uh, run the meet as planned so just cross our fingers and hope they will open the borders and allow everyone to compete yeah are you involved at all with that or do you know the, the group that's planning the event I know the group but I'm not involved so were any of your aspirations to make Norway your your next big meet, um, was that at all contingent on or trying to make it to the World Games? Was that something that was on your radar? Or did you want your last meet to be Norway because it's a home country kind of thing? Yeah, it's mostly because uh, I'm having a family now, so I have other people to care about. And uh, also second that it's it's on, uh, in Nor- in Norway. And uh, third, I was thinking about the World Games. Even if I had qualified, I don't think I would go for it because yeah. I already competed in two World Games. So it's not a big deal for me anymore. Right. So <laughs> maybe we maybe we can unpack that for a second here. Um, <laughs> So you've competed at two World Games. Can you tell us yeah. a bit about that? What your experience was like? Maybe some of your favorite moments from those competitions? Yeah. First, I got to say that uh, even I competed at two World Games, I was never qualified for any of those. <laughs> 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 so I can start with that. Uh, in uh, the first uh, World Games, you had qualification at uh, 2012 in Puerto Rico so uh, I placed sixth in that uh, championship and uh, you have to place top three to get qualified so 
when the nomination for World Games came out in February 2013, I was uh, fifth reserve on the nomination for that uh, heavyweight group, I think. And uh, I think it was Easter, uh, Heinrich von, uh, from uh, South Africa sent me a message that I'm was I was going to World Games and I didn't understand what he was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but it appeared that uh, the people above me had uh, injuries or uh, for some reason could not compete, so I was the next one to to call in. So that was the 2013. Um, it was uh, held in uh, Cali in uh, Colombia. So Cali is... Uh, Place thousand meters above sea level. I don't know if you know that. So uh, the climate was a bit different, and it was hot, and it was thin air, <laughs> and uh, and uh, when you was some uh, semi open, uh, so you didn't have walls on the sides, <laughs> so oh, you okay. air air going through the hell when you. So that was a bit different. So you have some moist in the air and. Uh, slippery bars and uh, everything and sweaty people so uh, what I remember from that year was it was my first World Games it was very cool to uh, take part we had security guards we had police cars driving in front of us when we go to training and so it was like felt like movie stars yeah <laughs> it was so, a little scary so cool. having a little scary having all those police around though I think they said the 10,000 extra police they brought in for that event. Yeah, and they start to wonder why why they're there. But yeah, exactly. Then they start to hear stories about people getting adopted and uh, things like that. So, yeah, so we didn't leave the hotel more than once or twice, I think. <laughs> so, yeah, it was fun. I remember I was... Um, injured right before I left Norway so uh, I didn't do a good performance but it was okay it's good uh, learning and and uh, yeah it was fun to compete so did that uh, did that make the second world games go a little bit better were you more more prepared for that then how did that the second world games go for you and where which one was that where was that uh, it was in uh, Poland Okay. Yeah. yeah, it was in Wroclaw in Poland. Uh, let me see. It was, yeah, it's also a fun story. The qualification was then uh, Orlando. Yeah. So, um, and uh, I bombed <laughs> in bench again. In Orlando? Yeah. Okay. So, um, uh, right the week before the meet, my last training before... Uh, I left Norway. I uh, pulled a muscle <laughs> in my thighs, so um, so I could only lift with suits on because of the pain. <laughs> so uh, the meet when I start the warm up, it's, everything felt okay. I did two squats, I think three ninety or three eighty five. I don't remember. And when I came to bench, uh, my coach at the time was Dietmar Wolf. And um, he loaded the bar with, I think it was 20 or 30 kilos above my opener. So he misloaded the bar. 
and um, <laughs> he let me try to pull, uh, push it through. <laughs> so in the last warm up, I think I was try to bench 310 or something and my PB at the time was 292 or something. Oh no. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that ended up on the bar in the warm up room, hey? Yeah. yeah. So uh, I I don't remember he was uh, going to the secretary to lower the opening weight or uh, even so uh, when I got out to the the platform I started around, around 290 and I uh, was just done from that warm-up lift. So I had three attempts and I couldn't lock it out. So And also at this meet I could have uh, got away with the victory over Semenenko. Because oh, if, yeah. I, yeah, if I got that one bench, I would have won, I think. So I, get, I got the gold in the deadlift and... Uh, silver or bronze in the squad so I just need a one bench to the total so yeah yeah, yeah. but you still ended up going to the world games off the back of that right yeah can we yeah. take a one minute break because my wife is uh, sending me messages here so I'm just yeah. be back in a minute yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure no no problem okay. yeah left okay. you with awesome. the cliffhanger there <laughs> yeah yeah we're we gotta know man how did how did you yeah. get the world games off of that yeah so I bombed at the qualifying meet so how can you get the World Games then? <laughs> Tell me, in case, in case something happens in 2021 here. <laughs> you can try to uh, guess. <laughs> Did you qualify off of uh, regionals then, off of Europeans? Yeah, I guess if you would have got the regional... Uh, uh, Europeans, uh, yeah, I won the Europeans that year. So that's probably the reason, but I don't think it's the reason. Because I got the wild card from the regional, the European uh, Federation. So it was between me and Konovalov from Russia okay. to get the wild card. <laughs> and uh, since the EPF president is Norwegian and uh, yeah, close to the Norwegian Federation, I think there was some uh, lobby work in the, behind the scenes. Yeah. So. Uh, right after I bombed and uh, Dittmar felt sorry because he, he slowed at the bar and everything and, and also um, the EPF president was at place at meet so uh, I think they started the talking right away <laughs> because <laughs> I was uh, already planned to compete at the World Games so, so I got the wild card after a couple of months I think so that's it mm-hmm. And how would you compare um, Poland's, like the environment of Poland versus uh, Cali? Definitely probably felt safer there. Yeah, no police, no guards. Uh, but uh, if you compare the, the hotel, or I don't I know think... if you call it a hotel in Poland. I think we stayed at some school or yeah, something. Yeah, the, the dorms, yeah. The dorms. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it was open. It was okay, but uh, not the best because we got some uh, shitty room with shitty beds and uh, air conditioning. And uh, yeah. did you have air conditioning? No. Oh yeah. No. Okay, we went and bought a fan at some electronics store just to yeah. keep some air moving. Yeah, and the toilet didn't work. Yeah, I just have to share. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I don't think we have a shower in the room or uh, even so. 
Yeah, but uh, it was okay. Uh, the meat, let me see. Yeah, also injured at that meet because uh, after Europeans in Malaga, in Spain, I twisted my back. So and I pulled <laughs> pulled my a muscle in the chest. So at the deadlift actually. So I was injured and I had nationals three weeks after the Europeans and uh, one and a half month after that it was World Games. So it was a lot of meets in a short time. So I don't remember my placing at the World Games in 2017, but uh, yeah, just I participated <laughs> two times. Participated. <laughs> that's, that's what I did in Poland too. So I just yeah. participated. Yeah. So, so um, going back, you you mentioned Detmar, and I don't know if you're okay to talk about both the situation because I know um, a few years ago he kind of left Norway and uh, started to work with the German national team. But yeah. um, like from your perspective, and I know like both Bryce and I both got people asking us to ask you about this situation and how you feel. Do you think it was a good move, him moving on? Like had, had his time kind of come and gone in Norway or um, I, I guess I'm, I'm trying not to like lead you into any answers. And I don't want this to get kind of like negative or anything like that, but because I don't know what your relationship is with Detmar. But uh, yeah, I mean, w- what was your thoughts on that whole situation? Uh, yeah, what can I say? Uh, it was not that big of a surprise. Uh, we had some uh, storms running at that time because we had a uh, nomination for that. Uh, at, was it 2017? Yeah, 2017 worlds, and we had some lifters that was, prob- in my opinion, overqualified, but did not get nominated for the worlds and um, that was just one of many points that we had going on on the team and we and um, yeah it's basically <laughs> if you sum it up he probably felt that his time was come and he, he said that um, or we got a mail from the federation that Litmus has uh, quit his job and uh, and um, uh, who will not be training us anymore? So, and uh, we got uh, the junior coach taking over uh, the open team. So, yeah, I've been training, I've uh, been a national coach, I don't know, 15, 20 years in Norway, I don't remember. So, um, yeah, it's. Time was probably calm, I think. So I don't think it was any drama behind it, but some some can say that, some say that it was not. So yeah, but uh, I think it was about time we got some new blood in the coaching team because he's been around for a lot of years. So right. Mm-hmm. So you guys are all coached. So if you're on the national team, you're you're actually you're. Your, all your coaching is done by them. They program for you, all that sort of stuff. Yes. So uh, some lifters have their own coaches, but that's in uh, cooperation with the uh, head coach. Okay. So yeah. you guys are allowed to have your own coaches, but only if they kind of agree to it, sort of thing. Yeah, it's some of some deal with some other coach, some regional coaches. That's 
that's a uh, more uh, nearer the lifter because our head coach is uh, staying in uh, one town and we have lifters all over Norway so yeah. if it's better to have a coach that's with the lifter to do it then some have that deal right and what was your like what's your what's your take on that system have you uh, at this point are you you're still being coached by the Norwegian national coaches have you ever done parts of your training where you've directed it yourself um do you have any experience with with that or have you always kind of been um coached under the the system of the of the national team okay uh to take it back to the start in 2006 when i started powerlifting i started right away in a powerlifting club and i got uh, some uh, generic program that Dittmar made for the public at that okay. time so I, so I started to train three three times a week and uh, after I got stronger I got more custom program from the local coach at that club and uh, a couple of years later I got the junior coach uh, handing me uh, programs and he was also under Dittmar at the time so the program he made was based on Dittmar programs. And uh, in the later years, I had uh, Lars, so who is my trainer now. He was also a junior trainer when I was junior. Mm-hmm. So I always got my, my programs from the coaches. So I never done my own programs, but uh, I have coached others at one time in my in the past. Is that something you are interested in doing, or once you finish powerlifting, it's that's it? Um, I was interested in that uh, for a couple of years. I think I trained around twenty lifters at the same time, and I, I thought it was fun, and I was learning a lot, and it was yeah, fun to do something else. Uh, and uh, but I. I couldn't do that anymore because of I didn't have time, so I stopped that and focused on other things. And um, in the future, I don't know. Uh, after I finish lifting, I don't think I will coach. I will focus on family and that stuff. Mm-hmm. So you you mentioned that you kind of you did some other stuff. Now um, you you've made some apps related to powerlifting, right? Like some judging apps, a couple of Wilkes calculators. Um, I know that your your Wilkes calculator has a has a really good comparison feature. Um, there's the referee light system. So is is programming that kind of stuff what you do for a living, or you just saw that you know that product or that uh, you know system needed to be created and you decided to to do it? Yeah. Uh, so I work hundred percent. So I'm not the pro athletes that some are. <laughs> So I go to work every day and work nine right. to five or four to, yeah. So um, I uh, am a UX lead at the software company. Okay. Uh, yeah, and uh, before that I was a full stack developer, and uh, before that front end developer, and before that I was in school. <laughs> so uh, yeah. Um, so the apps, uh, I made that Wills calculator in before uh, Luxembourg in 2015, mm-hmm. just because I knew that Semenenko and I would have a, have a close battle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, and uh, I was in my best shape. 
ever, so I knew that this could uh, end well. So I just made that app for my own at that time, and I published it right after that words. Uh, and later I made a Sinclair app for weightlifting, just a copy and change the formula. Mm-hmm. And uh, the referee lights app I made some years later because I was at the local meet and I was very small uh, room and I didn't see the lights and uh, couldn't see anything basically just the platform and the lifter so I thought why does don't we why can't we have the lights on our phone <laughs> so uh, I, when I got home after that meet I made that prototype basically in three four hours so I made a working prototype but of a referee app so every judge could have their own phones or tablets and everyone can connect to that meet and see the lights and see the statistics of that meet so that was the story behind that and uh, I see now some years later that it's starting to get some traction and people are starting to use it all over the world right so it's more like a mobile score sheet as well then i'm not familiar with it but so you can see the lights and the prognosis and and all that kind of stuff on it no it's stripped down just to refereeing so you only see the lights and the referee can only push good lift no lift and the cards okay and and it tracks if you had a meet for example calgary barbell mock meet or something if you want to just do for fun at the club um uh, you can just enter that meet and uh, referees set, set down with their phones and just judge through the meet and you will afterwards see if uh, how many percent of no lifts, what's the reason for failure and stuff like that. Okay, okay, yeah. cool. Got quite a few quest- questions from our listeners here, so mm-hmm. kind of rolling some of those. Um, so first one here, uh, a lot of, in, in a Equipped lifting, there's a lot of unpredictable things. Um, and someone asked, you know, what's sort of the strangest or worst kind of thing you've seen or, or experienced yourself in a meet? Can you point me in some direction or just <laughs> uh, speak freely? Yes, I mean, whatever you think is like, if you, if you ask me that question, I would go to 2017 uh, check when Semenenko blew out his suit on his second and they went up five kilos on his third. So... You know, that'd be that'd be yeah. something I would see that was kind of strange, but but yeah, anything like that, you can. That's really unique. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I have so many stories. It's it's hard to pick any, but uh, when uh, some of my junior years, I remember that I was um, seeing some of the unintended, <laughs> seeing some of the Russians uh, lift without anything under the bench shirts and this was females so they just don't give up and then I just took up their shirts and just put stood there and no long clothes on and just put on their shirts that was pretty special <laughs> I don't think they I don't think they do that anymore um, yeah and um, also a fun story from nationals no names will be said but <laughs> we had a, a lifter that uh, I think it was on his first deadlift. He shit himself <laughs> in the suit. <laughs> oh no! Did he have another yeah. suit? Did he have a backup? Uh, no, I, I don't have any. Had any backup? And he had to pull <laughs> at least two more lifts. Oh no! Get his placement in. So. <laughs> 
So you just stayed in the suit then, hey? So you stayed in the suit full yeah. of shit. Yeah. <laughs> and he managed to pull uh, two more lifts and I think he got what he wanted. So <laughs> that's that's grit right there. That's a grit, man. Yeah, um, that's a great one. I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> no retreat, no surrender. No, exactly. That's the mindset. <laughs> mindset. <laughs> um, so we had another another uh, listener ask if you've played around with your bench grip much over the years because you've you've got a pretty pretty damn good bench on you. Um, how did you kind of figure out what bench grip worked for you? Did you change that over the years? Did that change for you, uh, or did you just kind of start benching one way and? continue that way all the way through your career since i've started so long ago <clears throat> uh, we didn't have the uh, super suits or super shirts like the uh, mm-hmm. local mm-hmm. super katana so when i started with the old shirts we have to uh, i remember that we just sink the bar with the elbows like up like this and just oh, try okay. to yeah it didn't help give anything so but in the later years when I started to get more strength and the new shirts and uh, everything came and we saw that lifters could lift a lot more kilos. A uh, 105 lifter can get 100 kilos extra on a shirt. We, I, I knew that if I just experimented on the grip and angles and the shirt and the tightness, I would get better. So uh, I remember when I was, let me see, in, yeah, 2015-16 when I did my last bench PB. Uh, I benched 295. It's my PB on meat. Uh, I I tried to angle my 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 arms like um, like some Japanese lifters do. Uh, so and, like a really uh, internally rotated grip kind of thing. Uh, no, I actually rotate the other way. Okay. So external <laughs> rotate. So, so I have the mark on the ring. If if you say say this is the barbell ring, yeah, and this is the grip, I rotate this way. So I okay. so I can get the elbow inwards. So um, it looks like Blaine Sumner is doing something similar. I don't think he's doing the exact same thing, but uh, I try to get my elbows. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, against my body, but in control. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I guess just going on that, and this is maybe just for my own curiosity. Um, so your your PB was that at a low cut super katana? Yeah, I yeah. used this low cut since it came out. And are so. you? So I know a lot of people tend to go like a pretty loose chest plate, really tight sleeves. Is that something that you? really liked in the fit of your shirt or how did you approach that aspect of it uh my shirt is actually loose in the chest and in the arms so i don't know <laughs> anything okay. other than that so um uh, i just it's 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 uh, a suit i have a size 46 when i went in the 105 and it's mm-hmm. just yeah it fits okay like a slim fit if you know what i mean it's not that tight <laughs> it's not that tight but it's uh, it's um okay and um i don't pull down the chest or anything i just just pull out the slack and uh, and uh, 
and I dragged the arms just, uh, yeah, like kind the elbows. Just above the elbow, yeah. Yeah, so so it's IPF approved. Uh, right. Yeah. So, but uh, I have a lot to go on on the shirt because after that uh, 295, it's not got any better and uh, actually benched a lot more in training in around those times. Right. So, so I think I was at a managed three three hundred from the chest and up in 2016, and I worked the low low blocks on three twenty five at some time. And yeah. Well, so if I can give you a little bit of hope for the future, man, going up to one twenty, the bench press it, it does get better. Yeah, I hope so <laughs> because uh, really want that three twenty five before I quit so uh, i was gonna ask I'm if hope- you do you normally did you normally cut weight to go to 105 like is it do you normally walk around like 110 or something or are you usually like right at 105 normally i'm um, usually around 105 uh, 106 105 yeah so no big so cuts ne- or anything no i never cut for a meet i just the the, the rest the overweights just uh, goes away on the trip and uh, the other the other food I eat, like, yeah, doesn't get that same amount that I'm used to and the training volume is lower, so I don't have to eat that much. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. I think this is maybe Bryce's question because I know he's got a little thing for rep work and equipment, <laughs> but um, how do you, do you guys ever do like uh, reps, higher reps in your equipped lifting or is it always just singles, doubles sort of thing? Uh, actually, I'm... Um, never done reps in deadlift and I'm I don't think I have higher reps than two reps in the squat suit at some low weight just to get it to sit so and the bench I don't think I have more than a single there also maybe two blocks <laughs> so sorry Brace that's okay so, I, just, so, I think like, so, uh, it's interesting to see other people's approaches yeah, so uh, to answer your question, no, I don't do high reps with this equipment. Uh, I um, my philosophy there is, I always compete with one rep, so I do more in training. So I feel like Ryan to, likes that answer a lot. Yeah, so just to blow <laughs> blow out the suit, and uh, yeah, no, it's not uh, uh, natural to do more than one rep. I think with the suits on. I'm going to tell Mike that next time he gives me more than one rep in a suit. It's not natural, Mike. It's not natural. <laughs> who, who does it in the meet? Yeah. So, well, that one guy and that one master in, yeah. uh, in the Europeans there did doubles. So I think that I think that was raw. <laughs> I don't think that went very well for him either. <laughs> um. So what about your training on uh, like raw with wraps? Do you do any any stuff where you're wrapping but not in your suit? Do you use that in your training? And if so, you know, what do you what do you like or dislike about it? Why don't you use it if you don't? Oh. <laughs> uh, I think I've done it. I can count it on one arm. <laughs> one arm. So I've done it sometimes, but uh, that's really because of some injuries or uh, very bad uh, form that day or something. Um, and the reason why is that the same as the answer as the other question that you know, 
I don't <laughs> lift raw weight reps at meet, so so I don't feel natural. And also, I don't lift anymore without the suit with reps only. So my PB is probably 30 kilos more without reps uh, with reps and training. So right. And what uh, what knee wraps do you prefer? Like, what are your what are your favorite knee wraps? Um, last year was my first year with Titan wraps not the gold signature but the black and blue wraps and before that I used the insert wraps the black and red wraps okay yeah so since I only had one year with the Titan wraps I can't make any conclusion yet but it felt okay and the training was good so I will continue with that and also the the national team was sponsored by Titan last year, so everyone had to use Titan gear. Right. So going back to uh, training a little bit here, um, do you guys train in the equipment like year round, week don't week week to week, or or is it kind of like raw stuff for four or six weeks, then into the gear for a bit, or? It's uh, raw for life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't train with equipment. I think we start to use it some, yeah, 10 weeks before, maybe 12 weeks before the competition. So then we start to use it uh, every other week and, uh, yeah, and intensity goes up. So the off-season periods is no no equipment. And that's like it's always been for us, I think. Yeah. Right. Interesting. So... So I think uh, when people ask, I say, I'm actually a raw lifter because 99.8 of my lift is raw. <laughs> <laughs> um, somebody was asking uh, what your, maybe what was your, your most enjoyable block of training and, uh, and what did you learn from it? Oh, it's hard to say when you have <laughs> done it for so long. <laughs> yeah. Uh, probably uh, in the summer of 2015 coming up to the the meet of my life uh, in Luxembourg uh, actually broke my ankle that summer oh yeah and uh, so I couldn't uh, (laughs) do anything for six weeks I think so um, I went to training with my leg in some kind of I don't know what I call it but uh, I used I got I needed help to just put on the weights on the bar and did only bench and I uh, tried some occlusion uh, leg press with one foot and yeah it was just ridiculous actually so <laughs> so uh, but after I got uh, the leg healed uh, uh, actually got to my back was feeling very good. I had six weeks without squat and deadlifts. <laughs> so so I always think back on that time because I never had any vacation from squat and deadlifts more than six weeks. And that was the only time before and after. So maybe there's something to it. I don't know. But uh, afterwards, I did a raw meet first. Just, I think it was one month after my leg was healed up. And I did pretty good. And I started the preparation for the Worlds. And uh, everything was feeling good. The whole preparation. I had 
a lot of PBs in trainings also that was unusual and um, coming in at Worlds I was yeah very strong and I had good progression and but I only did seven of nine attempts I think so I missed one squat and the last deadlift and the last deadlift was on uh, grip <laughs> and I also got an extra attempt because Dittmar uh, went to the jury and said that uh, the bar was wet right they cleaned the bar right before you right Someone uh, on it. before they lifted before me okay I remember that yeah and uh, and I actually pulled the weight and I I was leaning backward and didn't see the judge. I don't know if I was I needed to stand more straight up. So I just laid a little bit more back. And when I did that, my fingertips touched uh, uh, the edge of the suit. So it slipped open. Oh, man. So um, that was a bummer. But um, and I, I saw in the video afterwards that the head referee was actually putting his hand down as the bar went out of my hands. Oh, yeah, that's tough, man. That's yeah, and, uh, yeah, and the lift was clean <laughs> until that happened. So yeah, so uh, that was my shot, and I missed it. <laughs> so, but I I beaten Samanenko, I think three times or something. So it was not that big of a deal, but uh, it was that title I was missing. So, yeah, right. Um, <clears throat> so I know myself and certainly my wife Selena are really excited to come uh, to Norway. I mean, obviously, provided everything happens as planned here. So, as tourists who have never been, what's the what's the one thing that we can't miss when we come to Norway, other than the World Championships? Yeah, and uh, since you're going to Stavanger, how long are you thinking to stay? Oh, I don't know, maybe maybe a week, week and a half? Yeah, it's hard to say, uh, but uh, in the area around Stavanger, you have a lot of mountains that you can uh, hike on. There are many okay. good attractions around there. Uh, and a poster from the 2013 worlds in uh, Stavanger uh, if you've seen that that was from uh, top of a mountain in the area uh, I can send you that picture afterwards but that's a popular tourist attraction it's a okay. unique plateau uh, over the fjord, fjords sweet so you probably have to check that out but since it's in November and it's in Norway, so maybe you don't see anything because of the fog. So, right. yeah, and it will probably rain all the time also. So, yeah. We'll bring a raincoat. We'll probably take that gamble, but we'll see. Yeah, and it also be cold. So, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's called Puppet Rock, right? Yeah, Puppet Rock. That's me and Ray tried to hike up that uh, yeah. last time we were there. Uh I would suggest like serious shoes. We had like running shoes on yeah. and all the stair, like there's stairs and stuff for a lot of it, but they're all covered in ice and it started raining halfway up. And uh, yeah, it was uh, very precarious. And we, we bailed about halfway up because it was like, this is this, we're going to die. Someone's going to slip here. <laughs> and so, but it was, what we got to was really nice. But Rhea says that's her one biggest regret is we didn't make it all the way to the, to the top of that. Right. Well, maybe yeah. we'll we'll all go up this year. 
I'll, I'll bring like cleated hiking boots maybe. Yeah, we got um, these like spikes that fit on with a piece of rubber around the bottom of your hiking shoe there. Real good. Yeah, uh, but uh, normally in November in Norway, we don't have tourists, so <laughs> it's hard to recommend anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's totally fair. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so we have a, a bit of a section here, the, the string of questions that we ask pretty much everybody. Uh, there are common questions that we, we kind of run throughout these. Uh, maybe we'll let Ryan kick kick this off. Sure. So the first one would be, uh, what would be like the highlight of your lifting career so far? Um, I think I will sum it up like uh, I have traveled the world. I've seen many places. I won something. I almost won something. And I started from the bottom and I got almost to the top, sometimes to the top at Europeans. Uh, broken uh, almost 100 national records, a lot of Nordic records, yeah. Uh, I <laughs> I probably got uh, everything that I was capable of at the platform. So uh, when I when I stop lifting or stop competing at the international level, I will look back and be happy with what I've done. So I don't can say anything other than that. Um, probably the first time I won Europeans was one of the highlights. The second time also felt good, but um, also going to Kali and World Game was fun. Yeah. So also I have to mention the Arnolds I competed there one time and also was fun standing on the main stage and pulling deadlifts. Yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty nutty environment for sure. And also um, seeing circus around there. <laughs> yeah. um, so who have been some of your biggest inspirations? Now, it doesn't necessarily have to be powerlifters here, but it can be powerlifters. Who, is, who has inspired you to, I don't know, to push hard enough to achieve all of these things? Um, when I started, uh, one of my my favorite lifters or idols, if you can call it that, uh, was a national lifter that competed in the old 100 class. He won the 2006 IPF Worlds in Stavanger also, uh, Andreas Jantweit. He, uh, he, uh, he competed for some years, then he had a break and he came back at the Open team when I was starting to get in my best shape uh, and he competed in a 120 class and he won the deadlift gold in Luxembourg for example so he was one of my aspirations uh, other than that international lifters I have uh, Anibal Coimbra was a big fan of him he was he was uh, yeah good uh, idol uh, was strong and he was competing for a lot of years and was able to show us that it was possible. <laughs> so, yeah. Cool. So if you could kind of sum up uh, like one piece of advice that you wish you could go back and tell yourself when you were just starting out, what do you, do you have a some sort of one, one thought you kind of pass on? Uh, I have many, but uh, one of them was don't do 12 meets a year. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? 
<laughs> uh, Did you do 12, 12 meets in a year once? Yeah, I started Jeez. powerlifting in uh, 2006 um, in August. So I was a sub-junior then. Uh, I did my first meet in uh, February 2007, so first year junior. And that meet, I did 11 or 12 meets. And I did a follow-up in 2008 with something similar. And then I understood that this wasn't normal, so I stopped doing that. (laughs) (laughs) And everyone just let you do that, eh? Yeah. And uh, I also did PB training every other week and, uh, yeah stuff like that like every other do when they start to lift <laughs> so and uh, in the later years I the, if I can go back and tell myself is listen to your body <laughs> yeah so sure. that's probably the best uh, advice sounds sounds pretty good to me <laughs> um, so in terms of like what's what's next for you what are your big things that you're trying to do within powerlifting right now like what are your what are your sort of goals that you're aiming for as we move forward from here yeah and uh to start with that's the reason i'm moving up to 120 class because i want to break my own records and i feel that i can't get any stronger in the 105 class because i tried that for five years now and it doesn't work <laughs> and uh, that's a lot of reasons but mainly because I push my body and I get injured and uh, I'm, uh, I can't get back to that level I was before so the easiest way then is to just uh, eat more and uh, go up a body and go up a class and uh, put on some muscles so that's my plan now and uh, I when I uh, after I did Luxembourg 2015 i have a whiteboard that i write wrote some numbers on i just oh 400 in squat 300 in bench press and my pb in deadlift and i have 1050 so that was my goal then and it's still my goal now so um, i want to break that 1050 i don't care if i weigh 15 kilos more than i, I planned back then but uh, if i do that i can uh, live happily ever after i think <laughs> awesome man Cool. Um, so I think that pretty much wraps up what we've got. Is there anything that you wanted to um, shout out or your Instagram or anything like that? If people want to get a hold of you or uh, or follow you along as you gain a bunch of weight. Yeah. yeah. So I since I have parental leave now, I'm active on Instagram, I can say. So right now I'm just figuring out what to post. So I started with uh, some uh, memes and uh, featured lifters and training. So so I posted some memes. I got a lot of feedback on those. I think I will continue with that. So if you like memes, just follow. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. We'll put your... So, uh... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so uh, I posted last week that single ply till I die meme. So that got very popular, and uh, I think it uh, broke every other like or share record I had on Instagram. So I'm doing a follow-up on that tomorrow. You will probably see it. So it's the coffin dance meme. (laughs) So if you've not seen it, it features Semenenko's squat and uh, Joe Capellino's bench Mm -hmm. break or something and uh, Eichelans uh, uh, pass out from World Games. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> awesome. So I, I watched that a few times. 
Yeah, <laughs> I already got a lot of new material for the follow-up, and I, I don't. Yeah, I just, I just, I can give you a hint. It's, it's not going to be single ply this time. It's going to be raw. All right. So, so, let's try that. So cool. yeah. I also have a YouTube channel, but that's not active. I started it in 2006, and I just posted training for my own. And yeah, and after Instagram came out, I just stopped posting there and just occasionally post some meets and something. So, yeah. Cool. Uh, maybe you can send us the links to those, and we can put them in the show notes somewhere. If we are we are we that advanced, Ryan? Can we do that? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I'm very confident. <laughs> All right. Awesome, man. Cool. Well, uh, thanks, Stan, for uh, coming on and chatting with us and, and letting us into your your long, very storied uh, time in equipped lifting. And hopefully there's uh, a fair bit more in you before it's done. Yeah. I, I remember that first episode that Ryan was telling, or was the last one that Lane was telling, but did 10 words or something. Mm. I have to, I had to check that up uh, after that podcast. And I think last in Dubai was my 10th open words. So uh, Stavanger will be my 11th. And I also did two or three junior words before that. Yeah. So it's been a lot look. of words. We hosted, um, we hosted junior worlds in 2011. And I went back to look to see if you lifted there. And I noticed yeah. you did open worlds that year. But uh, yeah, but I know I was I was going to that worlds, but something happened. You didn't come to Moosja. You went to Pilsen. I was no, I was actually banned to compete oh. from the federation because I was lifting at the local meet and I lifted more than I was allowed. So the coach <laughs> said that we will not nominate you for that. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, interesting. All right. Yeah. And I also bombed out from the Europeans, Euro, uh, junior Europeans, right before the nomination. So they said, okay, you did a local meet before Europeans, and you lifted more there than other Europeans, and you bombed at Europeans. And we said that, and I also said that I have to uh, participate on some uh, summer meetup with the national team. And I said, I cannot do it because of work. And I said, okay, then we will not nominate you for a junior worlds. Mm. So. Interesting. That's yeah, very but, uh, but I, t I think they regret afterwards. I did the Western Europeans at the same the week after the Junior Worlds, and I got nominated for the Open World, so it was okay for me. Right. Yeah, that works out then. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for thanks for coming on and chatting. All right. We want to thank you for listening to the Equipped, Bruised, and Tired podcast. We're going to be available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever fine podcasts are found. So make sure to leave your five-star rating if you enjoyed the show and a review as well and or check out our video version of the show on our YouTube channel. If you have any questions for ourselves, guest suggestions, or questions for our guests, you can go ahead and contact us at equippedbruisedtired at gmail.com and make sure to do your part to spread the word of the equipped renaissance. We'll see you next time.